Hey everybody, it's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Madiv's Getting to Know podcast. Today I'm joined by the Healthcare Business Unit President, Mr. Lionel Bont. Lionel, thanks for taking time with us on the Getting to Know podcast today. Thanks for having me, Mike. So Lionel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so six months in, uh, in Madiv, started in, in November uh, last year. I was born in the north of France, where it rains uh, pretty much all the time, right across uh, the UK and Belgium, which, you know, if, if you consider being a student up there, you know, it, it's a very good recipe for good parties with uh, lots of beer coming from the UK at, at, uh, at a cheap price, and, and Belgium has its fair share of good beers as well. So, yes, I'm a good, good beer drinker, but not on, uh, on working hours. So I'm French, but I like to see myself as a, a citizen of the world, the global village concept, if you will. That can be explained by the fact that I, had, I have a mother that spoke four languages. And so very early on, I, I wanted to see, see the world. And, and you know, I had a choice going to Latin America or, or Asia. And, and Asia, Thailand got me. And, and from there on, you know, I started, I started my career. Uh, abroad for for a good 12 years. How far do you live on the outskirts of Paris from where you grew up? Oh wow, um, it's a 300 kilometer drive, you know, so if, if you go to the northern tip of, of France on the border with Belgium and, and right across the channel, that, that's where I had my most miserable life. <laughs> gotcha. Now, Outside, you, you mentioned your mom living there on the outskirts of Paris. Do you have a family that hangs out with you? Yeah, um, so I've, I've um, three daughters of my own, 16, uh, 21, and the latest one, four. But um, I'm divorced and remarried, so the larger family is, is about seven people, plus the dog plus the nanny. So, you know, even at home, it feels a little bit like running a small business with, you know, crisis, development plan, family meetings, financial reviews, etc. We also have a dog called Misha, two turtles, a cat called Tsar. So I, I may have some Russian or my wife may have some Russian blood there. And uh, if I'd listened to my wife, we would have a pony and a goat in the garden. So <laughs> on the weekend, the game is for the dog to catch a turtle and run around the garden and, you know, for us to try and release the turtle from her misery. Is that what downtime for the family looks like, run around the garden? Yeah, well, cleaning the mess of, you know, the dogs, the turtles, and, and looking at the kids, you know, Five kids is a lot of work, yeah? Although they are all teenagers, uh, young adults, it does take a lot, of, a lot of time, yes. Gotcha. So growing up, was it your lifelong dream to be the president of a healthcare materials type of business? No, I, I, uh, I actually was a failure at school. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it was trying, to, it was trying to, to make it out of school and find something that um, I, I, could, I could feel passionate about. And, um, and getting into business school, um, international business school, was, was the best relief. And, um, you know, from there on, opportunities, from opportunities on to opportunities, from your great leaders to heroes and, and people who inspired me, 
you know, I find my way into who I am today. But no, I never designed myself to become um, who I am today. What was your actual first job, your first paying job, that is? I started my career in the hypermarket or retail space. You know, I finished my master's degree internship uh, in Thailand as the head of a yeah, retail store division, 30,000 square foot, uh, square, square meter in, in northern Thailand and um, speaking couple of languages there and and that's where I started so they hired me there to you know continue opening outlets and then hit the the 1997 financial crisis with George Soros speculating on the pound and uh, and everybody had to go go back home I was then recruited to to open stores for competitor in in the Middle East and that's where I started my career abroad, really not as not as a student anymore, but as a as an employee. So I, I come from the retail space. I, I do know what consumer wants, and you know how tough uh, pricing can be, and it is useful these days. For sure, for sure. So tell us about your role leading the healthcare BU. Yeah, so I'm in a particular spot uh, in in the healthcare. BU, right? Uh, being the president, uh, I do not have maybe the same job as, as, my, as my peers. Six months into a job, of course, you ask a lot of questions, you listen to, to your peers, to your employees, make sure you understand the full picture. For me, it's maybe a little bit different because the situation of, of the BU is, is, is in a difficult position where we need to quickly turn around the business. So my time um, these days and for the last six months has been, you know, between discovery meetings, listening to people across functions, across the organization at every level of, of responsibility to more operational issues and day-to-day -day solving problems while in the meantime setting time aside to reflect on the big picture so that I can prepare the turnaround plan for the BU. It's a tricky process, right, as you can imagine. Um, the picture is constantly evolving. You know that you're in, in, in a difficult financial position. So it takes a lot of patience uh, not to rush a conclusion. Give yourself time um, so that you know, the picture settles before you can make a decision. So in short, you know, up until now, it's been time for diagnostic. Um, and I'm quite an impatient person. Uh, so it's challenging my patient, my nerves, self-critic as well. Um, I'm now moving to a more planning of the turnaround uh, so that, you know, by April, when I present the turnaround to the management, we can go into into execution mode. But I'm very much influenced by many cultures, as, as I've previously described, and, and in this case, very much uh, influenced by the Japanese culture. I, I do believe that you set yourself up for success or for failure in the very early stage of planning and strategizing of, of your work. So, you know, hence making sure that I take the time to turn every stone and challenge the consensus in everything I do so that the plan 
is 100% ex executable with you know full confidence. So this is in a nutshell what what I've been doing. What has been the best part of this new role so far? The best part of my of my job uh, being leading this this business unit by far is is managing the people and you know having now going across all our sites uh, visiting um, the headquarter all the all the people um, uh, in the functions i believe there is uh, in the healthcare and wellness be a lot of of good talent uh, that have potential if the ecosystem is right and and so my job is to put this ecosystem in place uh, among which a long-term strategy a turnaround plan and a winning organization with clear priorities so that these talent express themselves in the best way possible and and become leader as I turn out to be. So far in these early days, is there anything even remotely close to what you describe as a quote typical day? Not quite. I, and this is the beauty, right? You you don't know what to expect. You of course have your agenda full full of meetings, but but you do have you know surprises. I I think one needs to be open-minded as he walks into his, his day and and I'm a believer of what I call the weak signals and so changing yourself that there are things that are going to come through your day that are unplanned but yet that can serve you for other things you're you're looking at as the bigger problematic for for the task at hand so being watchful for those weak signals uh, has turned out to be quite helpful to date, has shown me, you know, opportunities outside of what the standard turnaround could be. And uh, that's what excites me as well. It does bring its fair share of, of stress, but that's also what excites me in understanding that there are undiscovered opportunities out there across, you know, across everything, functions, people, operations um, that, that can pop up. Having now been through several turnarounds and just with the benefit of the experience that you've gotten through the years, Lionel, is there, is there advice that you would give to your younger self to avoid some early pitfalls? Wow. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And I often ask myself, hey, would you do things differently? I, I don't think there is two turnarounds that are alike. And I think the one that walks into a turnaround with a recipe for solving the turnaround is most likely going to fail because of what I just described, because of some of the weak signals that are not visible at first glance. I think the one comment I would, or, or, or recommendation I would give to myself is you know, not to worry because stress doesn't help you focus and look through and come to the right decision. I would ask myself to be patient. Yeah, to be patient and to be cool. Uh, and, you know, I'm very analytical. Listening to your gut sometimes, those weak signals can also help you see through things a lot easier than just numbers and facts. Though I remain very, very much data-driven, I would tell myself, hey, pause a minute and, and, and feel your guts. Gotcha. Great advice. 
Switching gears, going back to running around the garden, picking up after the dog and so forth on a, on a, on a more personal front. Do you guys spend much time watching movies, streaming, big TV fan at all? Oh man, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the nightmare of my life, right? With with uh, screens all over. I, I don't know. We must have twenty three screens connected to the uh, to the TV box. Managing kids' uh, screen time is is maybe more important than watching uh, TV or the screens these days. I'm I'm much more an outside uh, outdoor person. I hate watching series because they hook you for um, hours and, and it's hard to to let go. I, I try as much as I can to go back to reading because that's uh, for me where I you know, re-baseline and, and where I'm connecting with myself. So TV is for, for the kids really. We have a nice uh, fancy TV room, TV room with uh, seven-seater sofa but, but yeah, I'd rather you know, go out in the garden, play with the dog, go for a walk, or or read a book on the terrace than than sitting in front of of TVs these days. Fair enough. Fair enough. If there was a movie about your life, which I guess would be fairly ironic considering what you just said, who do you think would play you? Well, that's uh, that's a tough question, Mike. Um, we're all unique, right? And and I'm a rather humble person, so thinking of someone to play my role on the screen is is not an easy one. So if this question is about reflecting on on how best I would like to be portrayed in a movie, I'd say an hybrid of Elon Musk and Mike Horn. Mike Horn for his ability to survive all physical or any physical challenge, and Elon Musk. For its for its ability to be futuristic and see it through the major society changes, and maybe a bit of Brad Pitt as well. I like that good twist, and maybe the Elon Musk that didn't touch Twitter as well might might make you more popular at the box office. How about music? Are you guys big music fans? Oh yeah, I um, yeah I um, yeah. So I grew up with the U2, the um, simple minds of this world. But these days, I tend to go more towards the the classic, and I love that trumpetist called uh, Ibrahim Malouf. Very powerful uh, trumpetist, and uh, I attended a couple of his of his concert. I'm actually uh, scheduled for his next concert concert in November. Yeah, great fan of trumpet these days. That's great. Speaking of concerts, Lionel, do you remember your first ever concert? Uh, yeah, that, that concert I don't want to remember. Yeah, that was a um, romantic Canadian uh, singer. Gee, I need what was his name? And it's maybe best that I don't remember his name on this podcast. Bare Naked Ladies are a very romantic Canadian band, from what I recall. No, not, not, maybe not, not that one. Maybe not the Bare Naked Ladies. Um, the trumpetist that you're going to see here soon may take this award, but up until now, is there a best concert you've ever seen? Best concert I've ever seen. I can recall of the, of the U2 uh, concert in London. Sounds like a good one. 
Yeah, I mean the story. It's it's also the story around the concert that made the concert so unique. Yeah, we're we're a gang of of friends um, going to London, had nowhere to sleep, so we planted a tent in the middle of a field and uh, woke up with the cows in the morning and then headed to the concert without tickets. Managed to buy the tickets. Um, had a fantastic concert, and then coming back, of course, the the cows had killed our tents yes yeah. so, <laughs> you know it was it was just not the concert but the the total experience which made it which made it nice yeah the whole experience was that a Wembley Stadium like a big venue like that yeah I, I'm not I'm not sure whether it was at Wembley but uh, it was it was in in one of the major um, um, yeah that's great that's great how about sports I know you like being outside doing your thing outside Are you a big sports fan yeah, to the dislike of most Americans, I am not a big fan of any any um, sports or any team. I can tell you that, though, I hate football. And, and the, the short story for me hating football is my, my dad was very bad at taking me to uh, the game on time. And the coach was so smart that he had decided for any kid coming late to the game that he would run around the pitch. He would do one round around the pitch for every minute late. Yeah, And my father was on average 20 minutes late. So it tells you how much I played football during those years. And now why I hate so much football. No, I'm, I, I love, I played golf, I played tennis um, a lot uh, when I was a kid. These days it's more about running and and, and sailing. And when I get a chance, you know, I, I go to the Baltics where my friends have, you know, sailing boats or to Thailand where I spent, you know, seven years of my life. And, uh, and I sail. I, I watch a lot the America's Cup, um, which is up and coming ne next year. And I, I love the Italian team, yeah, um, uh, Team Prada, for the unique reason that it is the only team on on the race that has two helmsmen. So those boats they go 40 knots per hour, 50, uh, 40 knots, yeah, 50 miles per hour, and when they take a turn, those two need to be in full sync, yeah, otherwise the boat capsizes and people die. Uh, so for that unique reason, I, I find this team just fantastic. That's great. Do you have your own boat or you just uh, make sure you have friends that have boats? Well, I, no, I'm not there yet. You know, if, if I could have a, a small dinky, but you know, if you want to go out at sea, large boat, you know, 55 foot, um, I'm not there yet. So I sail with friends who, who have, you know, big boats. Talk to me about your ideal kind of food and drink situation. I mean, you're on the outskirts of Paris, so you're supposed to probably come with a pretty big food and drink game, food and wine game. Yeah, so I lived in Asia for 12 years. That's where two of my girls were born. And, you know, between Thailand, Singapore, Taiwan, Middle East, and, and traveling extensively to, to China, I've been exposed to Asian food quite a bit. And... Though I love uh, French food, my preferred dish would be a uh, tonkakai pad thai or kaoniao uh, mamuang, for example, um, a type of 
Thai dish. They are they are um, not light, but Asian people eat this in small bite, and and they're extremely tasty. So when I get a chance, actually, because there's hardly any good Asian restaurant even in in Paris you know I cook myself those dishes which I used to to eat uh, back then in Thailand or, or Singapore um, I <laughs> that's another one about the Frenchman yeah I, I'm French but I hardly can eat uh, cheese or drink wine because I have an allergy to um, cheese and, and wine so you will seldomly see me drink drink wine yeah but i love beer yeah me too me too you probably like fancier beer than i do though are you a big cook other than just the kind of bringing back the memories of of your time in asia i cook every single evening i mean i spend between yeah 30 to 50 minutes and on the week on a weekday to to prepare fresh uh, fresh local food yeah so um yeah it, it is you know when i came back from asia like i cooked frozen food to my kids every day one day they came to me and said dad we, we've got enough of that crap food we want something better and so i bought them ready meals and i thought wow that's you know that's a bump and and after a while they came back to say uh, we've got enough of that crap food that we want real food and so that's why i decided that hey um, let's find a way where i can if efficiently cook some good food for them and and now we we have that uh, box delivered every saturday and uh, i just need to read the menu cook and uh, and we have some uh, some good dinners together that's great that's great switching gears back to madiv for a few moments before we get to our final questions, Lino. If you had a magic wand or magic stick, as they call it throughout different parts of Europe, I've found, and you could wave it over the organization, what would you change? Is this a trick question, Mike? It is not. It could, it could be. We'll see what your answer is. So I can be totally honest with you here, right? For sure. So I'm a rational guy. And although I've learned to give more space, as I mentioned earlier, to my gut feel and, and listen to the weak signal, I strongly believe you can only take the right action against what you can measure. After 20 years of experience uh, in the professional world, you know, I thought in multinational different countries, I thought I had seen it all about managing data. And my last three years experience with a private equity told me something completely different. I mean, there is a, a complete different level of data management world that exists out there. Um, and as a result, you know, um, decisions that are made uh, to um, accelerate the, the business and, and the, the results. So, you know, Mativ's statement of becoming a data-driven company is a statement that, that resonates with me. So if, yeah, if I had a magic wand, that is where I would want the magic wand to operate. That makes sense. I, I worked with a guy early in my career who said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will lead you there. And um, we certainly have some opportunities from a data analytics insights standpoint, for sure. So maybe related, if you could have a superpower, what superpower would you choose, Lionel? Go back in time. 
I, I think I would go back in, in time just to, again, to your question earlier, you know, look at that kid and, and, and tell him, hey, uh, don't stress out, be cool, listen to what's happening around you and, and don't only drive through what you think is, is good for yourself. L listen to the weak signals and, and, uh, and don't worry, you'll get there. Yeah, I think that's, that's the magic I would do. Yeah, go back in time. Lionel, at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we ask our guests three specific questions. I'm going to hit you with those right now. The first of which I'm very curious about because coming into this, fair or not, I was expecting you to say, cheese. I am no longer. What can always be found at all times, no matter what time of year, in your refrigerator? So, so I've got three daughters, right? I mean, okay, we disqualify the four-year-old, but so, and, and it's all about beauty and, and the latest, you know, mascara and, and lipstick and whatnot. Uh, and, and, um, and, and they like to have their eye fresh. And, and so I have in the fridge 24-7 that eye mask so that, you know, it cools the eyes and it helps the blood going around and and so you know i i will always wonder what an eye mask is doing in my fridge well daddy because the eye mask needs to be cool so that it helps the skin to uh, regenerate and and uh, it still puzzles me but <laughs> i have an eye mask in my fridge <laughs> that's great i that that's the first time we've had that answer on the getting to know podcast but you're surrounded with um with a lot of people that seem like they would have that that interest for sure. So that's that's great. Lionel, amongst those who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? On the personal side, I think people will tell you that I'm a good dad and I'm completely devoted to my girls. On the business side, and this is me trying to be humble still, right? I, and people will tell you that you know I deliver and uh, I'm very empathetic with people, building a team to deliver on, on the commitment. Yeah, so working around people to deliver the promise. That's great. I love the empathy and I love the delivery. So I look forward to that. And you've got your, your work cut out for you in this business for sure. Lionel, last question for you. What would you say you are most looking forward to right this very moment? Yeah, um, so that's an easy one, right? I mean, uh, um, I've been now in a diagnostic phase of this business for the last six months. Uh, I've started doing the planning for the turnaround. What I'm very impatient for is getting into the execution mode and, and um, driving the team, following up on the execution and starting to see the, the results of the team investment so that there is something great to tell about the business, the people, the financials, and um, start thinking about something, you know, the next step, something more exciting, product development, innovation, M&A. But yeah, this is, this is for later. Right now, it's still about planning, and, and very soon, 
I help pass the management presentation, uh, execution of the turnaround. Well, Lionel, I know you've got a lot going on planning out this turnaround, so I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to spend with us here on the Getting to Know podcast. Thanks for having me, uh, Mike. It was uh, my pleasure, and I look forward for the next milestone in this business. For sure. For those of you in the listening audience, thanks for your time as well. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Lionel, and we will talk to you again in two more weeks.